Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Aren't the arts and humanities such a beautiful, special gift that we have in our world? I love the way that that artist expressed uh, something perhaps we're all feeling this season. So beloved community, today is January 2nd, 2022. Let that sit in for a second. (laughs) In continuing to navigate the effects of a global pandemic, in what seems to be an increasingly polarized world. Living in something called ambiguity, I'm gonna mess that word up the rest of the sermon, I know it. And what seems to be our longest holding period during our lifetime has proven time and time again to actually be a wellspring of perspective, connection, creation of the arts, and the potential for healing. And we can use these times to actually deeply examine our culture, the ways in which we engage in meaningful traditions and rituals and gatherings, all of those things that connect us to healing, whether it be ourselves or to heal alongside others. And when we have this opportunity, we can actually look at the whole picture, COVID-19, 2020, 2021, and now 2022, has given us the opportunity to slow down, to look at the whole world and our influence and our impact on it. And at times it can feel like we're stuck, still in dark places, but yet still moving just like on that roller coaster ride. It's no wonder then, beloved community, that the verse that I'm going to read now, because we read the wrong verse this morning, is one that so many of us want to hear right now. But I encourage us to question that. Do we really? So the verse is Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope, and a future. Jeremiah 29 11 is a popular verse that so many of us use in the season of hope, as Janelle had said earlier. It might be used uh, on, on greeting cards, somebody might write you a letter, it might be at the end of somebody's email signature. And it's this wonderful verse that paints a picture of an all knowing God that's going to take care of us, and that God has a master plan for both our suffering and our gain. Well, I know myself and definitely Pastor Tony could have a whole sermon series on an all-knowing God. I'll leave that to him for another time. What I do want us to focus on in this verse, though, and particularly this morning, is what does that verse mean? What can we actually do with the knowledge of where we find ourselves on the second day of 2022? When we read Bible verses, in particular this Bible verse out of context, we miss the point that the author is actually telling us that God has no plans for Israel, their Israelites, for 70 years. Basically, they have to continue to live in captivity while having aspirations of another way of living. 
and how to exist in the world under captivity. God was essentially telling the Israelites to hold. Just wait. In our contemporary sense, the start of COVID-19 pandemic might seem like a lifetime ago to so many, while others may seem like just yesterday. We as a society and a people are just beginning to unpack the ways that we process all that has happened amidst the stress, the uncertainty, the isolation of the one year, nine months, and 21 days ago since the World Health Organization declared the world in a pandemic. So here we are, being asked to hold to wait. There's also a really interesting duality in that verse. So as we find ourselves in life today, whether it be amongst the left or the right, the progressive Christians or the evangelical Christians, the masked or the unmasked, the vaccinated, the unvaccinated, just like then, our, this verse comes in the context of a, a shocking message from the prophet Jeremiah, talking about those who were left behind in Jerusalem, anchored around the temple and the throne, who assumed that their lives were a relative fortune, good fortune because they were there and being rescued by God, while their brothers and sisters were being carted off into captivity to Babylon, were seen to be under God's curse. Dare I ask you, how many of us have thought that very same way towards those on the other side of our opinions or our beliefs these last three years, if not longer? And you know, I say this recognizing that we are coming up on the anniversary of the insurrection of our democracy. Russell Moore, a writer, says that the book of Jeremiah is all about God disrupting people's plans and dreams. And as we know in biblical texts, or as we're learning in biblical texts, that you can't read Jeremiah 29.11 without understanding the context of the whole book of Jeremiah. And the whole book of Jeremiah cannot be read without the context of all of Israel's story. And all of Israel's story cannot be read out of context without understanding and recognize God's purposes through Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus really doesn't have, or excuse me, God doesn't really have a plan for our life, or at least not the way that that verse leads us to believe. Instead, the one plan that God has for our lives through Jesus is relatively simple. It's to love your neighbor. During this past Advent season, and, and Tony talks about this a lot, he asks us to remember to love your neighbor as yourself. So then I wonder, how do you love yourselves during this pandemic roller coaster, during such a time of ambiguity? I'm not gonna say the word right. <laughs> I just completed Dr. Pauline Boss's book, The Myth of Closure, Ambiguous Loss in a Time of Pandemic and Change. And as a way to help me better understand, I did this to help me better understand what maybe God's purpose in our lives are, whether it be through then in the history of Jeremiah or currently when we're experiencing what seems to be so much loss and so much change. Dr. Boss states the ambiguous loss that so many are feeling during this time ranges from the loss of hope and dreams 
to the loss of the way of life, and then to the real human uh, loss of human life. When we're faced with a, a problem that no real solution or is in such a large scale as the race, socioeconomic class, and COVID-19 pandemics have found us in, we often find ourselves anxious, angry, less able to cope when we appear to be stuck, to be stuck in the darkness, and when others don't seem to care for things, the same things that we care about or within the same intensity that we care about them. And here we are in a culture where white supremacy and capitalism tells us that it's more important to worry about ourselves and our ideas rather than our community or what might be best for all. And so if all of this is happening around us, what will become of us if we don't find new rituals or cultivate meaningful traditions that center healing ourselves and the healing alongside others. I wonder what the traditions or rituals that the Israelites practiced in order to gain new perspective or connection to themselves and one another during their captivity in Babylon. I wonder, will coming to church on Sundays even matter if we continue to not understand how to live with ambiguous loss and learn how to love through and despite all of it? Beloved community, there are so many things around us that, that gives us hints and clues on how to live a life worth living and with others by our side. We can find it in our religious texts. We can find it in our culture our art, and Mother Nature. Recently, poet and theologian Padrigo Tuma gave us an example of how to live such a life. He says, if in the annual season of winter, plants and animals learn to adapt, performing extraordinary acts of metamorphosis to get them through, then perhaps we, who go through internal seasons in our lives, might also find a way to recognize such seasons, not to fight them, knowing that life is fundamentally, fundamentally cyclical. It's really vitally important to learn how to be with ourselves, how to be with others in all of the seasons of sadness, of joy, of loss, of happiness, knowing that we can't do this alone. We need each other. We need family, we need friends. We need people who can tolerate our gloom and our joy, who allow us to be, be weak for a while while finding our footing again. During a session with my therapist after the brutal torture and murder of George Floyd in 2020, I asked her, how, do, how is it that we change folks' hearts and minds? And she said, well, isn't the better question of how do we help people heal? It was in that moment and then a deep dive into somatics and embodiment practices that led me to Power Inner Faith, based out of Philadelphia, their online series called the Finding Grounding Series. And since 2020, their programs have remained virtual, and it was during one of these that I witnessed how they use the practices of somatics and meditation to explore our complicated feelings around race, death, and our collective vulnerability. 
It was then that I wanted to learn about it all. I'm a five on the Enneagram, so I spend a lot of time taking deep dives into the internet. I wanted to learn how embodiment and somatic practices combined with our religious traditions can begin to help us develop a, or renew cultural practices that connect us to ourselves and to each other. I am blessed to have learned and taken courses with scholars such as Prentice Hemphill, where I learned that trauma is actually a physiological response to overwhelming events that can just be one time or even ongoing. And that the waiting game that we find ourselves in actually impacts the whole of our bodies, our minds, and our spirit. I also learned that trauma breaks a felt sense of security, a sense of belonging, a sense of dignity. And for better or worse, that healing is a lifelong process. It's a lifelong process of reestablishing that felt sense of security or safety, regaining the feeling and practice of agency while also declaring a purpose and meaning beyond the wilderness of these pandemics. It was in the midst of these pandemics that I began to ask myself, well, how can my ministry be about the healing and about modeling that healing with those that I'm fortunate enough to be alongside? And it came down to self-care. Self-care, I learned, is a constant practice of not letting more pain accumulate. It's about continually remembering that our lives are of value. It's about the active process of settling our nervous systems so that we can be more present and that we have more access to the present moment. It's about engaging in rituals that help with the living with ambiguity and better prepare me for the times when being in ambiguous times or in limbo that I might be able to survive the unbearable. So today I'm gonna to share just one technique with you that I hope you carry into the new year. I learned this technique during one of those power interfaith sessions and it's called a safety plan. A safety plan is one that helps to place the power of the ways that I accept and give in individual and group settings on me, not on others. For me, that safety plan was a list, started off as a list of things that I embraced when I felt that I was harmed or felt lonely, I was surprised or confused about something, when I felt unwelcomed in spaces. And more importantly for me, a safety plan became something that I realized I could use when I realized I might have caused harm to somebody else. Safety plans are a way that you can find yourself sitting in public spaces, perhaps what you recite to yourself before taking a new job or going into a new area. It might even be how you love on your pet, comb your hair, put lotion on, how you find yourself breathing. So I encourage you that when you are caught in difficult emotions, your evolving safety plan that you work on can bring you back to a wise and compassionate presence. You're actually giving yourself permission to recognize your feelings and the feelings or energy of others in the spaces you find yourself in. 
I share this with you today because I want to encourage you to practice this method along with the cultivation of new rituals, new types of way to find love and healing while on this pandemic roller coaster. Friends, again, everything around us, including Mother Nature, is reminding us and asking us to sit and to hold and to wait and then adapt into growing into something new. Take some time thinking about what has made you comfortable over the last year, nine months, and 21 days, and then write out your safety plan. Perhaps even imagine what the Israelites might have done to not allow that ambiguous loss to drive division and despair during that time. To make sense of the then and now, it helps us to face the safety plan, helps us face it personally and collectively, and we can ask ourselves, what is it that God is asking of us in these times beyond waiting and beyond knowing that suffering is inevitable for all of us? And what can verses like Jeremiah 29, 11 teach us if we learn how to look at the larger picture? I believe that as we are in the midst of this ambiguity where we find ourselves stuck in the wilderness of anticipation and promise of better days, Know that it first begins with you. It begins with you and an intention to ensure that you don't emerge from this harmed or still causing harm to others. And as we learn to heal ourselves, give yourself grace. It's a lifelong process. It's a lifelong process to collectively open yourself up to learning how to heal and heal in community, not trying to heal others, healing yourselves and then healing alongside the people that are blessed to be in your life. For if the pandemics have taught us anything, it's that we are all connected and that we indeed need each other and our rituals. I want to offer you something before you go today. That is to understand healing just a little bit better. Healing in community takes the shape of shifting our social conditions by engaging in work that will change our world. Perhaps not complaining that something is not on the shelf to purchase or to consume, but to actually support the workers, the working class who are pushing back on the pressures of production and capitalism. Help them advocate for a more than a $15 an hour wage, because that is not equitable. And then allow people to have the time to slow down enough so that we can all just find rest. The second way to find healing in community is to reshape our relationship to ourselves, to the people we find ourselves around, the people who are standing in front of us in line, or the people who just cut us off in traffic. We can also perhaps even reshape the ways in which we read the scriptures so not to take them out of context of the larger story. And as Dr. Pauline Boss states, rather than seeking closure during this terrible time, let's face the enormity of the losses to grieve and support others who are grieving and to find a way to bring about that systematic change. And then finally, healing in community means to heal our attachments to where we find belonging in ourselves and to allow our authenticity to spring forth, your true self to spring forth. 
to move towards a mutuality with Mother Earth, and to widen your circle of we. Last week, I quoted teacher writer Brian McLaren, and this week I'm doing it again. He says, the quest for aliveness is the best thing about religion. It's the best thing about our faith. It's what we're hoping for when we pray. It's why we gather, why we celebrate, why we eat, abstain, attend, practice, sing, and contemplate. So when people say that I'm spiritual, what they mean, I think, is that simply I'm seeking aliveness in the midst of being stuck. I believe that we can do what Brian McLaren and what Pauline Boss and what God asks us in Jeremiah 29:11 by embracing and modeling what our ancestors have done all along. And what I shared just now, the practice of the work of culture, which is to say to embrace embodiment and somatics practices, to pray, to be, and to lean into what God calls us to do in so many biblical texts to wait and to believe in hope and through all of it to love ourselves and our neighbors to be the wellspring of perspective to be the wellspring of connection and the potential to heal and as poet Jasmine Gardosi says in that roller coaster do whatever makes you feel safe it's more than okay to go at your own pace We've come so far if technically we're in the same place. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at beatitudeschurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. 